welcome in everybody let's get right into it so for a ton of science fiction especially a bunch of early sci-fi books and comics there's a lot of wacky machines and death rays doom lasers and whatnot and these were the center focus of what constituted the latest and most sophisticated sci-fi tech that set the trend for that decade, usually. For example, in the 1990s and early 2000s, in a lot of straight-to-TV movies and sci-fi channel shows or, you know, the coolest cartoons like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or G.I. Joe, the world was under impending danger all the time from some wild weather machine or intricate satellite laser system and the funniest part of everything was that these machines could be activated or destroyed by way of inserting a special floppy disk yeah go back and watch all that stuff it's it's ridiculous <laughs> and in the later 2000s projects it would change from being a floppy disk to a CD. Nowadays, it's a thumb drive. So the formula for destroying the latest doomsday device has kind of stayed the same. Some tech whiz just needs to insert something and he can take control of whatever doomsday doodad or he can shut it down, he can upload a virus, all that kind of, st it's just ridiculous. And silly is good because it it cuts through a whole bunch of unnecessary jargon and it helps us at least in real life be distracted from the real dangerous stuff that's going on with science and technology in the real world as it's applied today now how often do you hear about you know just anything something and think no freaking way that's that's not real but then you Google it and you see all these articles about it and research and, and it's just, you're like, what? How? <laughs> Why? And then you, you go even further down the rabbit hole and you're watching YouTube videos and congressional hearings and podcast episodes all about this th thing that you can't believe is real. And you're like, how? How did I not know about this until now? This is wild. Now, conspiratorially, and I, I do this just for fun. I'm not as big a nut as I might come across as. <laughs> but I'm almost convinced that things like this are kept out of view and off the regular person's r radar as much as possible like there's a government office somewhere whose whole purpose is redirection distracting the general population um, telling incidental lies as half truths and paying quote-unquote experts to get behind these sort of lies right basically waving a candy-coated magic trick in front of everybody so that no one realizes what the government is actually doing and funny enough, the U.S. does have something called the Disinformation Governance Board, 
which is an advisory board in the U.S. Department of Defense. And what's their job? Deciding what disinformation means and then telling what they purport to be the truth to the people. Now that is pretty darn scary when you consider the irrefutable fact that, and again, it's just an example, all of the wars that the U.S. has been a part of for the last, say, 60 years were predicated on a lie, a false flag operation, or because certain politicians were beholden to large companies and they wanted to increase their profits. But the people were told that these wars were being waged for good and just causes, when in fact we found out that they were not. So now the government has a whole office dedicated to telling people lies or half-truths. Now this sounds really Orwellian, just like in George's novel, 1984. It sounds a hell of a lot like the Ministry of Truth, which was a tool of the government to directly influence what people believed to be true. Even the Associated Press, a well-respected and renowned journalism institution, commented on how little credible information there was about this board. And, you know, after looking around on a whole bunch of official government websites, there isn't too much to be found at all about it. I mean, what may be almost worse is if it wasn't a government trying to influence its people at all, what would be worse is if it was just a group of super influential people or companies, you know, people we could point to and actually call villains, right? We could be like, well, this is clearly a bad guy. <laughs> this is a this is clearly a comic book type villain, right? And they're just doing this to um, control the world unimpeded and unchallenged in this really complex way and they're using a, uh, the government as a sort of shield, right? And this is just one big complicated example of what I mean when I say that there are real scary graphic novel-like dangers that are out there. And they're, they're a danger to us, the people. And the government certainly has all the power to use them, right? Take DARPA, for instance. Now, DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And it's this, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a big research and development agency under the Department of Defense. It handles all the big fancy tech used by the military. So let's comb through just a few of these projects shall we? Now, firstly, yeah, probably my favorite is the ITER, or the Energy Autonomous Tactical Robot Project. Now, this, pro this project was working on a robot that could recharge itself by consuming organic matter. 
So yeah, that is definitely a robot that they made that can definitively survive by eating people. How do we know this? Because the damn CEO of the company that developed the robot, Cyclone Power Technologies, came out and said, quote, We completely understand the public's concern about futuristic robots feeding on the human population, but that is not our mission, end quote. So they came out in front of this, <laughs> which means that, yeah, it can eat people. Luckily, the project was stopped before it could be completed and implemented. But hey, there's always the possibility that the technology could have been bought by somebody, you know, another company, uh, individual, you never know. Um, it gets rebranded, reskinned, and it's going to be used somewhere else. Who knows? Now, another project that DARPA was working on was, get this, their cyborg insects. The Hybrid Insect Microelectromechanical Systems Program, which allowed scientists to control the actions of insects via these microchip interfaces. And they were nuclear powered. Yeah. These cyborg insects, whose purpose is to spy on people, by the way, as this project, its, its purpose was to supplement or supplant the UAV, the unmanned aerial vehicle, in its surveillance duties. And these cyborg bugs have nuclear power installed in them by way of nickel-23 isotopes that power the sensors and transmitters. Excuse me? <laughs> so we have nuclear-powered spy bugs flying around watching people? I, I, I am swatting everything. I'm buying insecticide and, and getting birds. Like, this is crazy. Like, how? <laughs> Why? I mean, screw your phone watching you. That fly on the wall could be working for the CIA. You never know. Oh, and I, I think this next project is probably my absolute favorite, uh, more than the Eater robot. But it's a project that I found... <laughs> It was one that was going to be able to carry troops and equipment through dense jungles in Vietnam in the 1960s during the Vietnam War. And these were going to be giant mechanized elephants. And it was one of the most infamous projects ever because once the director of DARPA found out about the project, he shut it down immediately because he didn't want Congress to find out they were making something so incredibly silly and immediately cut their funding. Now, this one's a favorite of mine because they were basically trying to make the at-ats from Star Wars before Star Wars was even a thing. It makes me wonder if George Lucas heard about the project because he was very much influenced by the Vietnam War in his writings of the original trilogy. So... 
yeah, if that director at the time didn't stop the development, we could have had real-life AT-ATs. All-terrain armored transports. Th that would be so cool. <laughs> and that's all just DARPA. I mean, there are things that are way scarier and more sci-fi sounding. Um, like tech that makes editable humans right there's something called gene editing that we can do nowadays thanks to crisp it's something called crispr cas9 and it gives us the ability to change inheritable genes in plants animals and humans and the idea behind it is to be able to prevent disease deformity or mutations that could cause debilitating illness like diabetes or muscular dystrophy. But, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is some scary stuff. Because if it runs wild, if some shady organization got a hold of it and then paired it with modern cloning technology that we also have, I mean, we, we could essentially make a subspecies of humans that are completely made out of clones and they would basically be a slave race, right? We, we could actually, this is actually possible in today's day and age with modern technology. We can make a, a subspecies of human that is a slave race made to do the most menial of labor. Or we could grow the perfect soldiers. We could grow assassins, even politicians, right? We could get a bunch of focus groups together, figure out what people are most likely to vote for based on, you know, looks, demeanor, vocal patterns, th things that we could control via gene editing, right? And send all of that research on over to the suits right they they disseminate it to the the guys in the lab and the development department bam they make the perfect puppet politician and that's terrifying lab grown corporate owned operated politicians <sighs> man i i just i want a bunker so bad <laughs> like i'm I see all these guys like uh, Zuckerberg and Musk making bunkers and building fortresses underground, and I'm like, I, I need to get that. Like, I, I can't, I can't be on the next like space hotel, so I better get to digging and buy a whole bunch of quickrete. Now, <clears throat> another banger, though is killer drones that work in swarms. Yeah, because I really didn't think I needed another excuse to shit my pants. But hey, the Zhejiang University in China has certainly given me plenty of reason to. They have developed a drone swarm. So not just one small little drone, but of them that work collectively 
and they're designed to track humans through dense bamboo forests without a handler's guidance. So they're given this AI program, which helps the giant swarm of drones track human beings through foliage. Oh, that, I mean, if that gets turned onto an urban environment, dude, we're, we're screwed. We're done. Now, tangential to this, uh, there's a company called Halcon, um, which is a precision guidance system manufacturer. Say that three times fast. Uh, they released their own drone swarm. Um, it's, it's this drone system called the Hunter 2S, and it can share information with its fellow drones and they use this uh, to help each other track and engage targets so say one drone is like a mile down east and another drone is off you know two miles west if that drone sees something it can send it via relay to this other drone and that drone can in the west can say oh okay that's where that is all right, cool. This is how I'm going to maneuver based on this information and the pre-programmed tactics that I have. Now, supposedly, these things would be developed so that we would not need to put our own soldiers in harm's way, right? Because our ultimate end is the preservation of human life. But what happens when military hardware starts having commercial or policing utility. Terrifying, right? Now, another big scary one that sounds a little bit more classic cartoon villainy um, is weather control technology. Now, there's a good couple geoengineering projects that are altering the Earth's climate all the time. Countries like China, France, India, Saudi Arabia, they all use what's called cloud seeding to influence rain and storm weather, basically, by sending up planes and releasing substances like silver iodide or ionized particles into the clouds. And while this does bring much-needed rain to really arid and dry and hot areas. Uh, it can also cause respiratory issues, chemical poisoning, and tertiary geological phenomena that has some severe negative impacts on the general populace. You know, you're, you're, basically, you're basically messing with nature, and nature tends to not like that very much. <laughs> I mean, this isn't this isn't lighting a whole bunch of bonfires and it makes rain happen. No, no, you're, you're doing this across miles and my, you're, it's chemtrails, right? It's releasing ionized particles into the air and supercharging these clouds. So 
they'll send down torrentials of rain and big thunderstorms and all that. So it's on a major scale. Like it's it's a lot. So there's a there's a bunch of consequential stuff that can happen from this. I mean, if we do it wrong and we are responsible for inducing a tsunami or an ice storm, I mean, it's not a good idea. <laughs> I, I get the imperative and the need to feed your people and bolster the health of the environment, but dude, you're literally playing with fire. You, you could just make a enormous lightning storm that causes massive forest fires. And that would devastate miles of land instead. So the risk is just way too great, in my opinion. So yeah, that's all some pretty damn scary stuff. And all of it sounds like it's straight out of a sci-fi novel to me. And I, I think most people kind of shrug these things off because they don't actually see it in their everyday lives. I mean, it's, it's not real to them because they haven't experienced anything to do with any of this stuff. So why care about it at all in the first place? Right? I mean, that's, that's how things become a real problem. They get out of control and then they start affecting the lives of the general population. But by then, it's already too late. I mean, you, you can't stop things at a certain singularity. I mean, that's how we get Terminators and The Matrix, or a massive clone conspiracy. Where it, I mean, could you imagine that there's this huge group of clones that are just yanking people off the street? Like, they're stealing people, ordinary people, and they're replacing them with clones that are in on it, right? And that that's how they take over the world. Like body snatchers, but they're clones instead of aliens. Right? It I mean it's wild. <laughs> but it's real. Like it is a real problem. It's a it, it can actually happen in real life. I mean it's wild stuff that just sounds like a sci-fi series, but I mean, hey, Star Trek predicted flip phones and iPads, so you don't tell me this kind of stuff can't happen. Because, I mean, who knows? We, we didn't think for a second we would have the kind of stuff we have now 50, 60, 70 years ago. But look at where we are. That's all I have time for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning back in, and stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends, and may the Force be with us all. <laughs>